Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Success Insight podcast. Our guest today is Denise Bosart. Denise is a thriver. She is also an award-winning writer and artist. Denise first joined us on Success Insight in 2019 to introduce us to Glamorous, a Grace Bishop novel, which was an award-winning teen and young adult paranormal and urban fantasy thriller. In 2019 as well, Denise's unpublished manuscript, Thriving After Sexual Abuse, Break Your Bondage to the Past and Live the Life You Love, was a quarterfinalist in the 2019 Book Life Prize nonfiction contest within the self-help category and was also a five-star reader's favorite review recipient. Now, it's a pleasure to have Denise back on Success Insight to celebrate the publishing of Thriving After Sexual Abuse and to learn more about Denise's journey. Denise, welcome back to the Success Insight podcast. It's great to be back, Howard. Thank you. Fantastic. And first, a heartfelt congratulations on the success of Glamorous and the novellas, return, beginnings, readings. I have thoroughly enjoyed those, Mm -hmm. as you well know. (laughs) Yes, you're a big supporter. (laughs) Yeah, and I keep pestering you for like, what's next, what's next? But what I'm very anxious to hear about now is this journey you're taking as an artist, a novelist, a poet. You have to go where the wind takes you. And now the wind is taking you in a new direction. So I'd love uh, if you could share a little bit about your background overall, but also what led you to write this book? And and, and to be very honest, this is a very touchy subject. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that you're back on the podcast, but also that you trust me to be here to be the interviewer. So I'm grateful for that trust. But I definitely want to hear more about your background and what led up to writing this book, a very powerful book. Sure. So I've always been a creative person from when I was a little kid, drawing and writing poetry and short stories. And and that continued through my entire life. So it was just a natural process to get into all of these creative things, photography and art and the writing. And I found out I was actually pretty good at it, you know, after a lot of hard work. And this particular book that I've written, Thriving After Sexual Abuse, is a really personal, as you can imagine, a very personal book that my husband had encouraged me to write this for a very long time. But I am one of those people who suffered from PTSD, and I don't have a lot of memories of the abuse that happened to me. The abuse was done by my maternal grandfather, my mother's father, and it went on for several years. And But I just didn't have enough memories to put together the information to write a memoir. So I just kept thinking, well, I, I just can't contribute. I can't write a memoir. So I just put it aside. And then when we were living in Florida, I started doing yoga. And that really kind of cracked things open for me. Yoga let me access body memories. It let me become more comfortable in my body. And I started sort of healing from that work and started writing a lot of poetry that was from the very first piece of of how emotional and impactful psychologically, mentally, physically, emotionally the abuse was up through writing poems about how my life was shifting and changing and how things were getting so much better. But that was still something I just didn't feel like I could publish because it was simply, you know, some poems. <laughs> but then I 
learned about Dr. Nessar and how he had been abusing the gymnasts, particularly the Olympic gymnasts. And hearing that story just broke my heart. And I thought to myself, those women need help to heal. And I have done so much in my healing journey, so many things I've brought together for myself. I think I could write a book that would share my story, but but even more importantly, the things that I've done on my healing journey. And so I just started writing the book about 2017. And with Glamorous, this fiction novel I wrote, I could just sit down and schedule it and write, write, write on a schedule and make progress. But obviously this story was just so intense for me that I couldn't write on a schedule. I just had to let it evolve naturally. So it took quite a bit of time to get the story put together. But having gone through self-publishing with Glamorous, I knew the steps I needed to take. I knew how to get an editor and how to get a cover for it and all the things I needed to do, put it together so that I could get it out there and get it out where people, men and women of all ages could get this and have a blueprint of how to start their healing, how to continue their healing. I never had that. There were a few books when I first started my healing, but I just didn't know what do you do? What questions do you ask? Where do you go? And what resources do you have that you can tap into? And so I decided that that's what I needed to do was to share my story, but share it in a way that I could advise people and support people in my book. Thank you so much for laying out that background. And a couple of things that I'm curious about, and for our listeners, Denise is not just a best-selling author, a very accomplished writer, an artist, poet, also very highly educated. And you've also gone through some training and going back through the bio and relearning about your background, you know, a meditation facilitator, contemplative arts teacher, a PhD in developmental neuroscience. So you have a great deal of training about what's going on upstairs in our brain. And also the, which is fascinating, this power that exists with meditation and mindfulness and really kind of tapping into what is going on in the moment or in the perhaps in the past and the future with the mind, the body and the spirit. I'm curious, has and you kind of talked about it earlier with the, with the yoga and this, perhaps the style of yoga. Can you speak more to how that perhaps allowed you to maybe open up those doors, so to speak, that perhaps were maybe partially open or even perhaps closed and locked? Yeah, I think that it was the the yoga, as I mentioned, got me started because a, a lot of abuse survivors have dissociated from their bodies during the abuse itself. That was the safest way to get through it, maybe, is to just leave your body or disconnect from your body. And your body sort of becomes a separate thing. And for me, I learned to do that. And I treated my body as sort of this little machine that I could just run ragged and push to the limit and never give any care or concern about when I needed to get done what I needed to get done. And yoga started letting me understand that how to be in my body, to inhabit and be present in my body, to understand where I you know, my body was in space and how to relate to my body, how to care for my body, how to actually start to learn to love my body, which I had never done before. And then meditation, as you mentioned, is adding another piece that's more of the mental piece to complement the body work I was doing. So the meditation was really helping me learn to be present, not to attach to the thoughts from the past or the future, 
and learn to understand that the thoughts weren't going to find me. So what I was taught by my abuse and by my abuser was to be shameful to that it was my fault that you know I was um, a bad person because it happened to me that I was worthless and no one would ever love me and all these negative things that you just sort of incorporate because that's your world when you're a little kid you believe what adults tell you and you believe what the situation tells you is happening and with meditation and begin to peel that apart and be able to say, well, those are things that I was told that aren't true. You know, I have a way to focus my attention on what I want to focus on. You know, I can build my own resilience and be able to say that I will focus on the thoughts that are and experiences that are enriching, and I will not attach to those thoughts that are probably not even my story. They weren't even my voice. You know, they were a voice of my grandfather. And being able to be an observer, that's what meditation teaches you, how to be present and how to observe your thoughts and how to work with your mind and turn it into your ally instead of your enemy. So between these two things, they were sort of pivotal, the body work and the mental work together to take me to a different place. And, and one where I was the one deciding what was going to happen with my body, how I was going to treat my body, and one that was going to decide what thoughts were was I going to think and incorporate and how I was going to bring that into the world and live my life. When you began to integrate these modalities, the, the meditation, the yoga, the mindfulness. Was this your journey alone or were there other mentors, guides there to support you and to help help you kind of discover, I want to use the word richness, but it's not, a, I don't know if that's the right word, but to really tap into the power, perhaps it's the power that is there and the to allow you to make the choices that you were now making about what you're thinking. At the time that I was going through my healing process, that I didn't have mentors specifically who would help me deal with the abuse situation. When I was in college, I had gone through individual therapy and group therapy, and I had made enough progress through that therapy to kind of get me started on the, the journey. But I really, me personally, I needed to find other things other than sitting and talking to an expert to help me do my healing to a really deep level. And so I just started finding things that were going to, that started working for me. And I had mentors that were sort of general mentors. I had a wonderful yoga teacher that I started with who's sister had been abused. So he was really sensitive and understanding of for certain poses that I don't feel safe in. And, you know, I don't want to be touched when I, you need to make an adjustment. You know, and so it was a really open dialogue and it was very caring and supportive. And I felt safe to go and be able to take advantage of the yoga. We've come so far. I mean, there are people who understand and teach trauma sensitive yoga there's so much more understanding about the impact of abuse and PTSD and how to build yoga practices specifically for those people. So that's a wonderful resource. Also, there's trauma-sensitive mindfulness. There's people being trained to be able to teach mindfulness in a way that would work really well for people who have been abused or have some kind of assault situation and suffer from PTSD. So there are more people out there who are mentors, but for me, I was kind of like just kept looking to find things that would work and trying things. And the yoga and meditation were a big part of that. And then this, the, what I call expressive arts, the photography, the art, 
um, the painting, the writing, the poetry, all of those things were, even if I wasn't writing specifically about my abuse, I was expressing myself and being creative and connecting to that child that got shoved to the side by having to grow up too fast and learn things that no child should ever have to learn. But I was able to tap back into that. And that creativity was the juice that kept me going. And it was something that got me back to where I was as a kid being expressive, but it was so healing. And part of it was just being able to have my own voice, to have a voice to share, even if it was just with friends and eventually, you know, publishing Glamours and the novellas. But it was something that is just a part of me and I wanted to tap into. And the photography side, the contemplative photography that I teach and I practice, part of it is just it gets you out in nature, which is known to be incredibly healing. And to be able to be out in nature, being focused on using my camera to slow down and be present and have a direct experience and direct connection with what is there, again, was very healing. So it was just, I wish I had a mentor. And that's what I'm trying to be, right? With my book, Thriving, I'm trying to be a mentor for people across all these different practices and modalities and exercises so that, that I can give that gift as a mentor on the page that people can have the help that I didn't have. Excellent. I definitely want to touch on the the poetry and on glamorous because when we first chatted about coming back on the podcast, you shared something with me that just blew me away. And we'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about the book Thriving After Sexual Abuse. How is this book laid out? And how are you beginning then to unpack this information and the ideas, the thoughts, the techniques, so that an individual, a woman, man, age, whatever, can begin to consume and use this and to really embark on their healing journey? Sure. So the book is in four parts. And what I try to do is I encourage whoever's going to pick up the book to get a journal because I am going to sort of guide them through the process of, of figuring out what's going to work for them. So I, for up front, I, I introduce my story. That's the first part is here's my story. Here's my background. Here's kind of how things progressed over time, kind of what they can expect out of the book. And then I start looking into the different things that help me, individual therapy, group therapy. I talk about medication, although I never decided to use medication, I think it's important to offer that as a something that could be helpful for people to decide. And I have a list of self-help books that have been very useful to me in my healing journey. So each of those things, I'll tell a little bit about my story that relates to each of those. And then I will give a list of questions that the reader can ask themselves and they can journal about. Well, how do you find a a therapist? What questions do you need to ask? You know, what what am I supposed to do for, for each of these different things and kind of guide them to be self-reflective and start building their own healing journey out of the questions I ask. And then the next piece is a little bit more about things that you can try. So I ask them, you know, what is it that brings you joy? That, that should be something very personal for you. I'm not going to tell you what you're supposed to do. This isn't a seventh step heal from sexual abuse and in 30 days kind of thing. This is, let's explore this together. So what brings you joy? You know, figure that out, write about that. Is it physical exercise, yoga, uh, qigong, um, meditation, contemplation, being in nature, expressing yourself creatively, pampering yourself, because that's something that, that 
abuse survivors are, you know, we kind of are angry at our body and don't like our body. Can you turn that around? Can you pamper yourself? And then giving to others, which was also an important part for me. So that that's kind of the, the first piece of it is my story. And then the second piece is all these things I did. And the third piece is a little more challenging, I'm sure, for readers, but there were questions I had to process, things I had to work through in order to really heal. So I went through and just started thinking about who knew what and when about my abuse. Uh, who do I tell, especially in the day, days we have now of social media and so quickly things can spread? Do you just want to write about it and keep that personal? Do you want to share it? Talking to your partner is a big thing for people on how to plan that, how to prepare for that, and considering confronting your abuser. Of course, all of these things are in, in concert with the one of the big things I say is if you can possibly get a therapist, do that because you want that therapist to help you with some of these things about working with your partner or deciding to confront your abuser or not. My abuser actually died when I was a freshman in high school from cancer. And so I never had the opportunity to confront him. So then I talk about triggers and body memories, memory issues, as I mentioned before, that's not uncommon for memory issues to happen with survivors. And then I touch upon forgiving, which may scare people to hear me say that word, but I'm talking about forgiving yourself for what happened. And then just let them know, hey, there's good stuff coming. Here's what you can expect when you go through this process. And finally, at the very end, I include what I call a poetry journal, where this is what I discussed earlier when I started yoga. And I wrote all these poems from the abuse perspective all the way up to the healing perspective, because I want to show people an example of what you could do if you wanted to use journaling as a, as a way of healing, but also just kind of to inspire people, share again in a different way my healing journey. And at the very end, I, I offer a lot of resources for people. So that's sort of encompasses the book. And I've written it so that I believe men and women can find benefit in it. It's not geared particularly towards women because there's a lot of men who are suffering from the abuse that they've experienced. So I made it general, but I also am asking the reader to be engaged, to be an active part of reading the book, an active part of figuring out what is going to work for them because everyone's abuse is different and everyone's healing journey is going to be different. Excellent. And a question I have is you talked about the poetry journal. A lot of your work, your past work, have been books of poetry. Wondering if we could perhaps do a little bit of a tangent to talk about some of the poetry and perhaps given our topic today, if there's a poem or a reading you could share with our audience. Not to put you on the spot there, but my sense is, is in going back when I look at your library of books, now that I know what I know, having had some further conversations, there's some connect the dots going on here of your journey. So let's talk a little bit about the poetry, the types of work. So the one book of poetry was my first self-published book called Dreams of the Turtle King. And it was actually when we were living in Florida and when I was doing yoga, I would have time in the morning where I would go walk the beach and I would see different things and I'd write short poems about it. And I do it from memory. So I'm walking down the beach, seeing things, writing poems, and I get to about seven poems. I'm like, ah, out of memory space, go write it down. So that was what was happening as part of the healing of the yoga was just being able to see all these wonderful things at the sea and the wind and the sun and people and just write about that. So 
that was kind of a separate set of poetry that was happening for my healing. And then at night, I'd sit down and write these poems that from the abuse on to the healing that got incorporated in, into thriving. So it was kind of happening simultaneously, but the the beach poetry, I, I was able to publish first because that was just light and easy. And I partnered with an illustrator who artist who put in illustrations for every poem. So it was a very sweet little book. And it, you know, it's for, there's nothing about my abuse. It's totally just beach poems, seeing things, having fun, enjoying being out on the beach. Then this past April, when we were in lockdown for the pandemic, April is National Poetry Month, for those of you who aren't aware. That's a, a big deal for us poets. And I challenge myself to write one poem every day, at least one poem. And of course, for me, I wrote more than one, but I ended up putting those together in a book that I self-published. And actually, I recorded all of the poems in the book, and it's there's an audible book for that. But I write the poems, recorded them. And then I also made YouTube videos that were just me reading the poem and some photographs and imagery, one video for every poem. So it was a big project, but part of that was to keep me sane (laughs) during the pandemic, but it was whatever came up. So some of it is related to the abuse and some of it isn't. It's called Poems of Darkness and Light. So it was just whatever came to mind. And some of it was very intense because it was related to the abuse and some of it was just a fun haiku about my cat, you know, whatever came up. That was where I moved from just completely separate from the abuse, the beach poems, to now some of the abuse coming in and being part of this poetry book. And then taking all the poems I had written years ago, revising them, editing them, and bringing them in as my pure experience of healing to be part of this book, thriving. In the world of self-help, I mean, there's self-help for a lot of topics. What is your sense in this past year, you know, 2020, and really in some ways even continuing today with COVID, how has your writing and ability to kind of sit down and be creative while at the same time we're being asked to stay quarantined. I mean, you know, you're with your loved one and your chief critic, our little cat there. What is your sense on self-help in the age of COVID? Is, is are, are there enough avenues for it? Is it is it getting tougher? I mean, because you have an informed, I think, thoughts on this, just given what you've gone through and also now this unique time that we're in of having to survive something that's in some ways is out of our control. Absolutely. I, I think in some ways that we are better off from the perspective of resources and availability because we've had to figure out how to go digital. So therapists have had to figure out how to go online and do teletherapy like they've never had to do before. And so there's websites and, and resources for finding therapists where, you know, particularly as an abuse survivor, it. It's critical you work with someone who understands that, who understands trauma, who understands abuse. And often it's going to be difficult to find someone like that locally. I was fortunate that I found some people that could help me when I was in college. But with these resources being digital and being able to get on Zoom or other platforms, we can do video conferencing. You're able to have a broader search for finding the, the person who's right for you. Because I, I, it took me a couple of rounds of therapists to find one that really worked with me and I felt comfortable with. So in this age of video conferencing, 
it's a huge win for people to be able to have access to more than just the people you might find locally by accident. So I think it's a big win to have that. And then just the resources that are available. If you want to do yoga, you can go to YouTube and you can find people you want to do meditation. There's people posting on YouTube from some of the experts like Beck Cornfield and Susan Piver and Rick Hansen, all these folks that you may never have been able to connect with them. They've got stuff out online now for you to find. So it's a rich environment for those who are willing to do the research and do some searching and, and exploring and trying to find things that work for them. And I definitely encourage that because, again, my idea is find what works for you. I'm giving you some ideas about what might work for you and go explore that. You can find so much more available instead of having to go to a bookstore and pick up the one book that maybe has a couple paragraphs about what you're dealing with. You can find experts, you can find other groups and you can contact people who have had the similar experiences. They can be anywhere in the US or the world and you can make those connections and get that support. Maybe find those mentors that I wasn't able to. So I think it's great in that sense. But the flip side of that is COVID has been very hard on for me because I learned as a small child that the world's not a safe place and people can hurt you and they will intentionally often. And that's been sort of my worldview from when I was growing up. Now, obviously, I've worked hard to get as far past that as I can, but it's almost like in my DNA. So then you throw me into a pandemic where the world's not a safe place and people could hurt you because they could give you this disease. It was very triggering. And having the writing and doing the, the poetry for a month and, you know, working on this book and doing the expressive arts, it was a way I needed to be able to keep grounded and sane. And I've actually have a couple of articles out on Psychology Today's blog about that, about dealing with COVID overwhelm and some of the practices you can do in general and then some photography practices you can do just to share what I've learned out with other people. So it, it's hard and maybe harder for survivors to be going through this. But the flip side, again, is so many uh, things that are available. You just got to go explore and find them for you. Fantastic. And, and I know in our prep work for today's podcast, there were some links to the psychology today. So we'll definitely share those out on our show notes. Continuing on the topic of poetry, I mean, you've you know, your work is fantastic. And thinking about the this walking on the beach, I mean, who can who couldn't be inspired? And also the, the latest book in these dark times that we've been in. Is there a poem that you perhaps you could share with our listeners to really so they can kind of hear the strength of your work? And we'd be very grateful if you would be willing to do that. Oh, I'd, I'd be very happy to. Thanks for asking me to do that. So this poem that I'm going to read, again, was from when I was doing, going through yoga and really walking through and healing and catharsis. But this is in a later part of the poetry journal in Thriving. And it's in a section called The Light Shines Through. And it's named Seaworthy. My heart is empty. The inside scraped away like a tree being carved into a canoe. Raw wood exposed, all splintery with jagged edges. It will take some time to heal to sand smooth the rough edges, to add a coat of paint and become seaworthy. Wow. Short and very poignant. Thank you for sharing that. We're very grateful. Thank you. So I, I've got a, another question. And because I, I, I kind of told you I was going to ask you this, 
and it was a surprise for me, for our guests, what I'm about to ask Denise, it was a surprise. When we first met, the purpose was to interview you for the release of Glamorous. And to our listeners, I, I interviewed Denise towards the end of 2019 in Glamorous. I downloaded the book on my Kindle, and it was one of the books that I had read over the holidays. And then I've been after or perhaps pestering Denise for what's next, what's next, what's next. And you shared something, Denise, that really kind of knocked me back on my heels a little bit about Glamorous and this connection to, you know, the journey you've been on. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. So when I was writing Glamorous, my, I was doing Novel Club with my friend for his book. And then, you know, he, he was encouraging me to write my own book. And he he said, so you have a villain. Who are you going to base it on? You know, the books are more authentic, more real if you base the characters, at least in part, on somebody that doesn't have to be completely that person. And I thought, well, ha, yeah, I've got a villain in my life, my grandfather. So in Glamorous, there is Glamour, who is the villain, who is somewhat loosely based on my grandfather, but in the sense he was manipulative, controlling, intense personality, who had no gumption about hurting other people, particularly girls. It was very much after hurting girls. And so that was sort of the role model in an ironic way for that, or the uh, basis for for the villain, and then of course, Grace is the the younger me. I wish I had been, you know, the the strong, independent, the person I eventually became, much older than her age. But I, I gave her the strength and power and the voice that I wish I had had at that time. And then all these other girls were involved that that were ghosts that were killed by. The, the glamour and Grace could see because she's got paranormal powers. And originally, when I started writing that, I thought, well, if the villain is my grandfather, maybe I should name all of these girls after the people that I know that he hurt, that he abused. I decided, you know, that was pushing it a little too far, and I decided to use generic names. But that was the story. And then when I got to the end, I realized that that this really was a story of my abuse and the he the healing that I could do by doing a confrontation. Grace confronts the um, villain in the end of the book, and the girls all come together and help her, and they defeat him. And to me, that was a confrontation I never had. It was a confrontation none of the people he abused ever had, and we got to do that in the book. And I didn't set out to write a book about my abuse. I didn't set out to have this be the catharsis that would be confronting him. I set out to write a dark urban fantasy thriller, but, you know, going through this process of trying to put myself and the people I knew in the book, it evolved to the point I could look back after I wrote and go, oh my gosh, look what I did. That That's what happened in the book. So you can read the book as you did and enjoy it without any backstory about <laughs> what's really going on behind the scenes, under the cover, because it's a great book and it's a great story. But for those of you who are curious, and that was what evolved. And again, it was something that I realized after I was finished. And I have to share, I'm very grateful that that you've shared that. And perhaps you've opened up another line of questioning for me when I'm interviewing other authors on the podcast. And, and in, in the spirit of full disclosure, 
an earlier podcast we just did with Lee Matthew Goldberg. He wrote a book called Orange City, which is a mash of science fiction, intrigue, menacing characters. And, and after learning what you had just shared today with our audience and but in our in our earlier phone call, I began to ask the question of what part of you is in this book, your life? Because it never dawned on me. Here I'm thinking, oh, wow, I'll get the interview Denise. It looks like it's a great book. Wow, I want to read this over the holidays and enjoy it. And for our listeners, you have to read Glamorous. It is an unbelievable novel. You'll love it. And there's the the three novellas that go with it. But, you know, it's so I was really surprised because I never even dawned on me. Yeah, it's not there in the book. It's not obvious. There's, there's Because it wasn't even obvious to me. So it'd be hard for me to make it overt. Like I said, it, it's a dark urban fantasy thriller. It's a fast paced ride. It's got a kick ass heroine and some a lot of stuff happens. So you can read it just for the pleasure of it. But for listeners that are going to it after hearing this podcast, you might keep that in mind as you learn about all the different characters and, and think back to what we've talk, talked about and see, see what, how it resonates differently for people. Sure. And, and at the very least, I mean, like I said, I'm grateful because now I have a new line of questioning for my podcast <laughs> when we work with work with uh, authors. Denise, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. And where should our listeners go to learn more about you and your work? Sure. So I am out on Facebook, Thriving After Facebook page. That's related to postings that are just meant to inspire people. I'm on Twitter. I'm thriving after on Twitter. And there's my book website, thrivingaftersexualabusebook.com. And you can find those are specifically for the work that I'm doing in thriving. But if you look on Amazon, you can certainly search for Denise Bosser and find my full set of books. And if you just do a search for me, you can find places I'm posting my photography and my art. I do post the the photography and art on my Twitter page because I'm trying to be inspiring. And, and what inspired me to heal was a lot of the expressive arts and being in nature. So there are all kinds of stuff on my, my Twitter site. But most of it is just basically I want to inspire other people and hope that whatever I post is a benefit. Fantastic. Well, we're definitely going to provide all the links back to the book website, as well as your social sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, etc. Now, I know on the website, thrivingaftersexualabusebook.com, there is a library out there. Tell us more about that. Sure. So I call it my healing library. And what I've done is post out the books that I found particularly helpful in my journey, books by Beverly Ingle and Brene Brown and a whole lot of different people that I've solely found over the years. So it's a way that you can go and see some of the resources that helped me heal and that might help you heal or might give you ideas of other books that could maybe work for you as well. So it's a good place to start and browse. And I've got uh, affiliate links out there for you to click on and go and, and grab the book from Amazon. But there are, there are a broad range of topics, but they all at some point in time were important for my healing. So I wanted to share that with everyone. And those resources are also listed at the back of Thriving. Fantastic. And we'll definitely provide the backlinks there as well. 
Denise again, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you join us on Success Insight Podcast and really to add some more depth to this journey you have been on and really the the opportunity and that you're giving individuals who have been affected by sexual abuse and the message and the techniques that you have discovered and been honing uh, these many years and also the resources you know, people can use to, you know, realize they're not on this journey by themselves. And there are resources out there, both the written, the written word, the audios, as well as practitioners that can help during the necessary healing process. So uh, thank you so much. We really, we really appreciate you joining us again. Thank you, Howard, for the opportunity. I'm glad you're here to help all of us talk about our books and, and help other people find authors that they can fall in love with. So appreciate all the hard work you do. Thank you. Fantastic. All right, folks, we have just been chatting with Denise Bussart. And as we had said earlier, she is most definitely a thriver and so talented. The artwork, the photography, the the poetry, an award-winning author, novelist. In her latest book, Thriving After Sexual Abuse, Break Your Bondage to the Past and Live a Life You Love. And Again, it too is an award-winning uh, book, but again, that's not the point. The point is Denise has given you, uh, our readers, and for, perhaps it's yourself or someone you know that has been affected by sexual abuse, a path to go move forward and to heal themselves and go on that healing journey and such a great resource. And do check out the book page. We'll provide the links back to that as well as to the healing library and the resources that are available to you to help support you on that journey. And also you can visit Denise on her uh, social sites on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And we'll also provide a link back to her main website where you can see her, her artwork. And also there's links there to her book, Glamorous, the Grace Bishop novel. And again, you, you have to go read that. Okay. Let us know what you think of today's podcast. We'd love to hear your comments. You can find us on successinsightpodcast.com. We are also on LinkedIn and Facebook on Success Insight Podcast, as well as all of the podcast platforms. And we especially are appreciative of the folks from Spotify, where we are creating our podcast list. And this podcast episode will definitely go in the health and wellness and healing playlist. So do check it out there. But in any case, you know, we, we want to, you know, hear your thoughts. So please let us know. In the meantime, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day. And we will see you on the next episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Take care now. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.